opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress, the gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to the 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Most of our investors are what we would consider entry-level or mid-level. And a lot of them come from, and it's, you know, not a super recent trend, but people are familiar with, you know, the FIRE movement or in financial independence, you know, FIRE is uh, financial independence, retire early, right? So a lot of that comes from the goal of having passive income and one of the more passive ways to have income besides your stock markets, mutual funds is owning real estate and owning apartments and things. So a lot of these buyers, when they're starting out, are looking for a consultative approach. So most of them are people looking to do something called either house hacking or single family rentals, things that aren't going to be what we would consider technically commercial, but some type of residential rentals. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Felt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share their trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. I'd like to welcome Michael Scanlon and Jake Fugman, team leaders for the Axon Group at eXp Realty, based in Chicago. They've built a business around working with real estate investors, so we'll talk to them a little bit about their strategy and what they're doing to reach investors and help them. So welcome, Michael and Jake. Thanks for having us. I uh, appreciate you you know, letting us be on with you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thank you. Um, Michael, I'm going to start with you. I want you to tell me a little bit about your team, how many members, um, you know, specifically, I think you work with more than just investors. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the team? Yeah, so uh, we started our team, you know, early 2021. Jake and I were both, you know, top one percent agents, you know, in Chicago, and you know, in the I believe we're both in the top five at the time at EXP, and uh, we were just overwhelmed with the workload, uh, and so we decided to form a team and tried to make it as fair a team as possible. We've got pretty aggressive, you know, splits with the team and. Um, it took off pretty quickly. We we do work with a lot of investors on the buy side, but we do a lot of listings and we work with, you know, any clients. I mean, I've closed million dollar, you know, single families. We've also closed, you know, $150,000 condos for, you know, 22 year old buyers. So we'll, we'll do everything. We just want to help as many people as possible. Uh, we've grown to, I believe we've got 18 agents here in Chicago and we uh, just opened a branch in Indianapolis and we've got our first couple members there uh, and plan is hopefully to uh, expand further and just take the model to other cities, especially cities where uh, investing is uh, a bigger, you know, area for, um, you know, purchases there. So Jake, why don't you tell me a little bit about when you started in real estate and, um, you know, Michael too, I I'll start with Jake, but Michael, were you always with the XP or were you with someone else? 
Sure. So yeah, I joined EXP in 2019. It was my first brokerage. Um, yeah. So I was not with anybody else. As soon as I you know, heard about the model, I just decided to jump on board. And um, having been an investor first, it just took off pretty quickly from there. Okay. And Jake? Yeah, similar. I was going to say similar. So um, I was in logistics, never really into selling real estate. When I got my license, I got it as a tool to um, progress my investing in multifamily and apartments. Uh, and what I found personally, and I think Mike would agree, is that there seems to be this huge gap um, in agents that were willing and able to kind of help me find investment deals when I first started to look because I wasn't looking for you know $5 million apartment buildings. I was looking for a, you know $500,000 four flats. Um, and I saw there's a, you know, it kind of jumped from your standard residential agent to larger commercial agents. So when I started kind of just communicating with other investors and asking who the best people were there to talk to, um, all of a sudden they're like, hey, you sound like you know what you're talking about. How about you just represent me? Uh, so it snowballed a little bit from there. Um, so it kind of, I shifted unintentionally from focusing on my personal investments to, uh, having a lot of clients that were in my similar situation and helping them find uh, properties. Okay. And and Jake, I'll um, keep with you on this. Uh, you, it sounds like you both built this niche um, working with investors because you were both investors yourself. So tell me a little bit about the types of investors you work with. Are they small mom and pop? Um, do you work with institutional investors? Um, tell me a little bit about who you're working with. Sure. Yeah, I'll start. I think most of our investors are what we would consider entry level or mid level, um, and a lot of them seem to come from. And it's you know not a super recent trend, but people are familiar with you know the fire movement or in financial independence. You know, fire is uh, financial independence, retire early, right? So a lot of that comes from the goal of having passive income and. One of the more passive ways to have income besides your typical stock markets or mutual funds or more normal financial vehicles is is owning real estate and owning apartments and things. So a lot of these buyers, when they're starting out, are looking for a consultative approach. So most of them are people looking to do something called either house hacking, which is buying a three-unit living in one of the units, um, or uh, single-family rentals, um, things that aren't going to be you know, in what we would consider, or especially in the financing side, consider technically commercial, but to be some type of residential rentals. Okay. Okay, great. And um, Michael, tell me how working with investors really differs from working with like an owner occupant, although some of them sound like they are owner occupants as well. It's a combination. Um, so tell me a little bit about how it differs. Yeah. So it, it does differ, you know, a fair amount just because we're doing everything that we have to do with, you know, residential clients um, for the most part. Uh, there are some investors that don't care what a property looks like, but we still have, you know, investors that want a product that is going to be appealing the same as any residential buyer, uh, but they also need the numbers to work. And so we're taking around, especially our, our entry-level investors that are going to be owner-occupants in a multi-unit, um, you know, like Jake talked about, um, they're going to want their property to still be appealing, but we also need to look at, you know, their cash-on-cash cash return. We need to look at, you know, how much money they're putting in up front, you know, how liquid they can be. 
And so there's a lot of math that goes into it. Um, we're doing, you know, pretty high level math, not just, you know, simple cash on cash, but, you know, things like internal rate of return, we're calculating for them, uh, making sure that their understanding of, you know, what their tax benefits are by buying this property. And we're trying to set them up as best as we can long-term. Uh, and that includes a lot of aspects of maximizing their liquidity with some, you know, little 1% tricks that we like to use and um, just making sure that we have their multi-year goals in mind. So, you know, saying, Hey, listen, you're expecting a job promotion next year, this year, let's go with your, you know, low down payment loan. And then next year you can really max it out. There, there's a lot of different areas of math and consultation regarding, you know, more long-term goals that we need, we need to go through with these clients. Okay. And I know, um, you know, the purpose of the podcast is to offer agents who are interested in, in working with investors, some advice on um, reaching them, working with them. Um, I'm going to switch up the questions a little bit. And since you had mentioned kind of a business background, what are um, some classes you recommend? Do you, do you each have degrees? And I'll start with you, Michael. Um, do you have business degrees? And how can agents kind of learn, um, you know, the type of kind of higher level information that they need to, to be able to offer to these investors? I have my master's in business uh, with a finance specialization. Uh, you know, there's a lot of math background in, in my history. You know, I was a math team nerd growing up. Um, you know, I love finance and, you know, did very well in my master's degree. But to be honest, the math of real estate is not nearly as difficult as the math of getting a finance you know, degree. Uh, my original intent was to work in the stock market. And so there's a, a lot of math, um, a lot of more complex math that goes into that. And so I would say that that level of education is not needed to invest in real estate. It does help that I like the numbers and I love running the numbers, but there are a lot of just books, um, simple books that you know we can recommend that you know will teach you how to run the basic numbers. There are good YouTube videos. You, you pretty much need to have a good understanding of properties and make sure that you're not getting yourself into a dilapidated property that's going to give you issues. And then you need to be able to, you know, on the, the residential side, just calculate, you know, what is your return on investment after accounting for all expenses and reserves versus how much money you put into it. And then you take into account other things like appreciation. Um, you take into account the fact that you're getting money off from a number of different tax advantages that you get, um, plus your cash flow. All of that just adds up to different metrics. But to be honest, it's not very difficult to do. So a, a couple of little books here and there and a couple of YouTube videos, uh, plus a lot of practice will get people where they need to be. Do you um, have any of the book names that you can share? Yeah, absolutely. I, I listen to audiobooks all the time when I'm driving. So um, one of my favorite ones, this is more related to commercial, but Crushing It in Apartments is a phenomenal book. Rental Property Investing, which is a Bigger Pockets book um, by Brandon Turner, is a really good one. Uh, and then, you know, I would say The House Hacking Strategy by Craig Kirloff. Those are three of the top ones, but anything by Bigger Pockets Publishing is going to be phenomenal for you learning all of the math and all of the other insights that go into real estate investing. Yeah, yeah, bigger pockets is great. Um, and Jake, what about you? What is your background? And um, are there any realtor specific classes or designations that um, you would recommend? 
So my background is not in finance. Uh, I did get a degree in business, uh, but I was much more um, privy to sales and marketing. I don't like accounting. I don't like finance at at a basic level. Um, So I would say, you know, obviously there is a human aspect to selling real estate, right? You just have to understand, you know, it's not all a numbers game in in investing. You know, numbers are much more important than a pure subjective purchase, you know, when you're representing a residential buyer who just needs a house in a certain school district, right? Um, so having that under, you know, high level understanding numbers is very important, but I would say just having that personal experience in investing and trying to get your hands dirty a little bit is so much more valuable than being able to calculate a cash on cash return or a cap rate. Um, because a lot of these investors or especially entry level are looking for consultative approach, right? We talked about. So they want to know that you've had a little bit of experience yourself, whether hopefully it's with a lot of our clients, but just a little bit of the chicken and the egg, right? You can't really get a lot of new investment clients if you really if you don't know what you're talking about. You can't really know what you're talking about until you do it a little bit yourself. So I know we're asking about books and and uh, you know titles and specifications, but there there is most states, and I it's, I think it's every state. You know, you don't need a special license to sell commercial real estate, right? You just need a real estate license. Right. So um, there are designations you can get to help you understand like higher level commercial or becoming a, you know, a tenant rep for office type buildings. But for us, that doesn't really uh, get us a leg up on anybody. Um, I would say, again, back to the bigger pockets type forums, those YouTube channels, the basic foundations that a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad sets are what everyone comes back to, I feel like, you know, it's not going to have real life um, examples to go off of today, but starting with those type of books and anything in, uh, you know, Audible or those type of related title forums, once you type in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, there's a plethora of, of books underneath that, that if you read four or five of those, you're going to be caught up to most, most of the understanding that residential passive investors, you know, want you to be or need you to be. And Jake, are are there any specific ways that you're marketing to them? Um, you know, do you have like a TikTok channel or social media that you're specifically trying to reach um, investor clients? Oh uh, yeah, great question. I, I in the beginning, for for me personally, it was a lot of local what we call REI meetups, which is real estate investing, right? So meeting people face to face, understanding what they're looking for, and kind of. Being there in person is helpful in your local market. Uh, having an online presence, of course, is great, and offering uh, offering advice on you know TikTok and such. We don't we're not too heavy on that at the moment. Uh, a lot of ours comes through advertising on in, investor forums. Uh, we mentioned Bigger Pockets, right, or play, podcasts that talk about regional you know regional investments and offering our services to. Uh, people and throwing out keywords like house hackers, right? There are only a certain amount of uh, real estate agents out there that can even talk that talk. So I would recommend any agents looking to get into that niche is um, go to these meetups locally. They're very easy to find. They're always free and people are very willing to listen and talk to you um, versus, you know, uh, getting a getting a local card in the mail from a realtor or seeing someone on a park bench, right? You know, it, it seems to be a little bit more of a sticky sell for us because once they talk to us, there's usually not any, any competition. So once you're, once you're set, 
you're kind of set. So I would say get that real life experience and um, kind of get out there and go to the groups. Uh, Michael, do you have any um, advice for marketing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Jake hit most of it on the head, but yeah, we were very fortunate that, you know, some of these real estate investor forums and and websites have recognized the work that we've been doing. Um, I think one of the things Jake didn't mention is that um, we were the first two featured agents for bigger pockets in Chicago. And so um, we had worked with so many clients that, you know, we ended up getting to, you know, be their go-to agents for Chicago. And they've since expanded that and they've got others that, you know, have that title, but and we've got a le- lot of lead flow coming from there. Um, there's a local uh, group here called Vrolio, which is an Airbnb investor group, and I'm their go-to agent. And so um, it's been kind of a mix of getting out there and you know getting our names to people, whether it's in person or through other investors that we've previously worked with. And then the people who are the higher-ups in these local groups, figuring out who we are and realizing that we've worked with so many people that you know they want to, you know, go hand in hand with being able to put their name behind our names. Yeah. It's, it's all about relationships, right? Same, yeah. same with any type of um, real estate niche. So um, what other tips, um, Michael, do you have for agents who might want to get into this niche? I would assume they have to um, understand the market and what's out there and what's available. What are, you know, what are some tips and how are you doing that? Yeah, good good tips for agents that are looking to get into this. Um, I mean, first and foremost is you know start analyzing properties. You know, learn how to analyze properties, and ideally do it for yourself. Um, you're going to learn, and you're going to set yourself up. You know, in terms of long term wealth. Uh, but beyond that, it's just you know going to be a lot of understanding of properties. I mean, we can talk about the numbers all that we want, uh, and. Jake did mention, you know, quite a, a bit earlier that there are a lot of things that go beyond the numbers. So you need to be able to calculate and talk the talk and do all of that stuff. But you also need to be able to walk into a, a you know, 1945 built property and see galvanized pipe and realize that that has about an 80 year lifespan. Um, and the property next door that is identical numbers, identical aesthetically that has updated copper pipes is going to be the better investment. There's a lot of more in-depth stuff that I think people need to understand that it takes uh, a little bit of either personal experience or you know a lot of hitting the ground and going out and looking at properties and talking to inspectors. Um, I, you know, there's little tricks that you can use to maximize liquidity that can be super important. Um, you know, trying to always get seller credits you know, for closing costs is something that we do every single time. As long as it appraises, all they're doing is mortgaging their closing costs over a 30 year period. And that maximizes liquidity for especially our three and a half percent down FHA buyers. And that's super important for, you know, early 20s kids that are looking to buy their first property. But having a holistic understanding of not just the numbers, but how property is constructed and built and what's hiding behind the walls, that's going to differentiate you massively than somebody who just read a book um, because that's the starting point and that's where you want to get to and you want to listen to these podcasts. But you also have to have a very thorough understanding of what's going on inside of a property. And and Jake, what are some ways that you um, learned 
kind of what it was important to to see. I know kind of experience is the best teacher, but you had to start somewhere. So what was it that that helped you as an investor then that you translated back into um, working with investors? Partnerships. You know, I would say don't don't do everything yourself. Um, try to put yourself in a position to add value to someone else's deal, um, whether that's, hey, I'll sell it for, a, this is an agent, you know, I'll help you with your flip and I'll invest, you know, a portion of it and I'll put some sweat equity into it. I'll list it for a discounted price. So again, getting your hands dirty, but it, I would just say also put yourself in a position to offer time and advice up front for free, right? You know, um, so many agents, especially in like markets that are slowing down a little bit, are constantly chasing the next deal. If you can put yourself in a situation where you have a few months of runway, and if you get into you know real estate um, from a different career, you know a lot of people will tell you get you know you're, you're probably not going to see a check for three to six, maybe nine months, sometimes even a year, right? So my advice, and and I, I'm glad I took my own advice, was I wasn't expecting a check for a year, so I was giving away my time and energy. Uh, to a lot of people for free. And I think that showed. I think when a lot of people start talking to an agent and they get the sense that they're rushed, you know, something's being rushed or they don't have the best interest in mind, there's, um, uh, you're kind of swimming upstream a little bit there. So in the beginning, look for partnerships and look to, you know, create relationships where you're okay giving, you know, giving more than you're taking. And I think that pays dividends long term. And, and Jake, when you say partnerships, are there any specific like, um, you know, an accountant or a mortgage professional or an appraiser or a home inspector that you um, specifically kind of built your team of trusted professionals around? Definitely. And I think that's one of the biggest values that um, an investment focused agent can bring to a client outside of, you know, you're not always going to have these amazing off-market deals that are super cheap, right? It is the market to market. So uh, for us, we like to leverage the fact that we have investment-friendly lenders that are unique. They offer portfolio products that you can't find in most, you know, most big box lenders. Owner-occupancy financing, understanding how FHA works with, and you can leverage owner-occupancy to get a, you know, a very low down payment is very important. Know which specific lenders to point them to. A lot of Lenders can do FHA, but not a lot of um, lending contacts or loan officers really even understand things like the self-sufficiency test and other little uh, niche, you know things that go into that niche market. Uh, same thing is goes with inspectors, contractors, handymen, these types of things in your market. If you can develop relationships with those those people, they'll refer you clients. You know, and if you're focused on being a buy side agent, which still the majority of our clients are buyer side. Um, that's not a bad thing, right? You know, these these lenders really love you because you're bringing them a lot of deals. Listing agents don't bring lenders a lot of deals, right? Um, they might co-market, but for us, we're bringing them a lot of clients. They love working with us. They're going to pick up the phone and we, when we call. Uh, so leverage that, you know, tell them this is what I'm looking to do. This is the client I'm looking to target. Are you somebody that can add value to these people and, you know, connect them with them and um, make them accountable because it, it truly is a partnership and um, we've helped to grow the business from a lot of, you know, a lot of attorneys and people within our sphere. And I think long-term they will, you know, they're going to add value to our clients that maybe other people wouldn't. And Michael, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I think 
one of the best things for me, you know, you can have partnerships with a lot of different people, but having a, a partnership as a real estate agent that works with investors with a very good inspector is one of the best things that I've ever done. You know, I, I was involved in real estate investing, you know, beforehand, but one of the best things that I've been able to do is every single deal that we put under contract, I go to the inspection and I don't sit there on my phone. I don't sit there on my computer doing work. I follow the inspector around. That is dedicated time. And it's like reading these real estate books. The first one that you read, you learn the most, and then you have diminishing returns. But if I still feel like every inspection I go to, I learn something new from our go-to inspector. And he he teaches me, oh, this is this, and you need to watch out for it. Or, you know, this is how you can, you know, take a better look at aging this. Um, and there's just so many little things that he has taught me over the years that I've been able to then put back into clients when I go to showings. And I think, you know, I don't want to jinx myself. I gotta find some wood to to knock on, but I, I think I've had maybe one deal fall apart at inspection in the last year. Whereas my first six months as an agent, I probably had five to 10 fall apart um, because I've learned how to have an inspector's eye. And so that level of partnership, you know, for being an agent is huge. And then also, you know, I now, I now rehab properties and, you know, I know how to, you know, look for what's going to cost me money when I go into these properties. So it can be beneficial for yourself as an investor and as an agent that works with both investors and residential clients, because you don't want your residential clients walking into a property where they're going to have immediate costs up front that they didn't otherwise see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm going to ask you both this question. I'll start with you, Michael. This is, um, you know, my final question is just where do you see the most opportunity for agents and teams in the next year? Maybe not necessarily just with investing, but, you know, the market's shifting and and things are slowing a little. Where Where are you seeing the most opportunity? So that's a very interesting question because there are clients of ours that have very different, you know, ideas of what's going to happen in the market and what they should do with their money. We have clients that have pulled back. We have clients that don't want to invest at current interest rates. And then we have other clients that have some liquidity and see the opportunity and say, hey, you know, in an inflationary market, I want to own hard assets. So they want to own real estate because in the early 70s to the early 80s, when the inflation was about as high as it is now, Obviously, we had a lower starting basis, but we saw almost a three x you know multiple of housing prices. They they almost tripled over that you know eleven year span, and so there are people that are looking to invest more in real estate. So it's it's really varying. Um, I would say that if you can find short sales, that is unfortunately something that I've seen you know ramping up lately. Um, there was quite a bit of time where the government you know, put in those forbearance plans and, and people were doing okay. And we still see a lot less people with adjustable rate mortgages than we saw back in 2007, 2008. I believe it was 36% back then. We're at about 9% now. But there are still people that are falling behind. And especially here, you know, our main market is Chicago. Uh, the state of Illinois has the, you know, highest pre-foreclosure rate in the country. And so we're starting to see a lot more of those. It's something that we specialized in previously, and it's starting to ramp up. So if you can learn about short sales and, and start to specialize in those, you know, you'll kind of be well-rounded. You'll be prepared with your investors, whatever way they want to go, because there seems like for us, they're about split down the middle. And then I would say, try to learn commercial and try to work commercial because 
six months ago, our investors could get 3.75% interest rates as pure investors on a you know million dollar four unit. Now those rates are six and a half with two points, you know, if they're lucky. And a lot of those investors have turned to commercial because the commercial rates are still four and a half to five and a half. And even though it's a 25-year amortization, they're seeing better cash flow. So the fact that we're able to pivot between residential and commercial is something that has been absolutely crucial for keeping us, you know, a steady flow of deals, even as the market has shifted for a lot of residential agents. Okay. Jake, what about you? On the same path and tone, be be flexible. Um, Mike said, you know, flexibility between residential and commercial is pretty unique for us and keeps us pretty balanced. <clears throat> but I'd also say have, you know, diversification between listing and buying. You know, a lot of listing agents for the past couple of years have been really spoiled, especially in certain markets uh, around us and um, the rest of the country, I'm sure. Be able to speak to buyers, right? So things are getting a little bit tight. Rates are going up. So for us, you know, leveraging that house hacking angle is a big is a big opportunity, right? Because you can talk to people and they're all down because they can't find a you know townhome for under four hundred thousand dollars or condos are expensive, whatever the case might be. But what if you talk to them about okay, well, how about a duplex and you rent the top floor and you mitigate your mortgage payment? So having that ammunition is 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 key. Um, Mike, you did mention, you know, the next 12 months, I mean, we, uh, I see opportunity as an investor myself to put capital to work. Um, a lot of people that, you know, had projects the last couple of years are looking for liquidity because they have the money tied up. Um, so you can get, you know, the next 12 months should be a good time to get deals in certain areas, unlike what some people anticipate and expect. You know, if rates are up, that's fine, but cash is king, right? So uh, we're seeing opportunities to, find those type of investors and find those type of clients that do have cash and help them put it to work. In general, I'd say continue to leverage what kind of COVID has brought out, which is the ability to do deals virtually, right? Uh, take advantage of technology. Um, specifically for us, you know, the, the brokerage we hang our license with is in 50 states and multiple countries. Uh, so, so being able to pass referrals on to a clients, buyers, and sellers within other states, I think is very important. Uh, so if you're a newer agent, look for a brokerage that has a referral opportunities in, in other states. Uh, don't purely uh, you know, count on your market and your, your sphere being the only place for revenue. Um, so I, I do mention that to a lot of agents. And I would say that for us, we develop a system where there's sometimes we don't ever meet our clients face-to-face. -face. We can transact completely uh, remotely and virtually, and that's a time savings. You, you lose a little bit of that, uh, you know, face-to-face -face clientele. And I would recommend, you know, if you can meet everyone when possible. But if you have a system capable of uh, allowing you to transact without, you know, getting on a plane or you know, driving to twenty different showings, take advantage of it. Yeah. Well, um, Michael and Jake, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. We really appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.